Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Connecting Dots. Thanks for joining. Today we're going to talk a little bit about WeWork. Yes, we're going to talk about WeWork again. And we're going to talk very specifically about what it means to get Adam Newman out as CEO. Well, this is Paul Truesdale, and you're listening to Connecting Dots. Now, make sure to read the disclaimer in our show notes before each episode. And due to our extensive holdings and that of our clients, you should assume that we have a position in all companies discussed, and thus a conflict of interest should be assumed. Also, visit dots.fm. That's dots.fm for extra items that are not shared on third-party podcast players. Well, this episode of Connecting Dots is being simulcast, recorded both here uh, live and uh, also it's going to be uh, recorded by video and it's going to go up online. So we're going to be able to give you a few different things that way. So what do you say we get started? Okay, why are we talking about WeWork? We're talking about WeWork because there is a block of WeWork directors. It's called We Company Now that is looking to get the CEO and founder, Adam Newman, out and get him to step down as chief executive officer. What's amazing about this is this evening, Sunday evening, uh, which is what we are recording, or should I say Sunday evening, the 22nd, uh, most recent Sunday, the episode of, uh, let's see, what was it? Secession. It's just an amazing show to watch in relationship to what's going on with uh, we, or we company, we work. Because you have uh, the eccentric behavior of the star, the patriarch of the media company on, um, I think it's Showtime or HBO, whatever it is. And we have this eccentric behavior and drug use uh, that has been revealed by this CEO of uh, WeWork. Now, here's the issue. One of the major funding uh, partners with this is a company called SoftBank. Now, SoftBank is a Japanese company, and it's got a lot of money. Now, they want him to get out. He can uh, stay as a non-executive chairman. What they want is they want someone who has some maturity to start running the company. They're done with his ridiculous, childish behavior. And what's going on here is it's really interesting because a lot of people are talking about this company with their head up their behind. They don't know what they're talking about. We're going to give you a couple of examples of that in just a few moments. Things that we read in the Wall Street Journal, and I'm going to talk about these comments that are in the Wall Street Journal, which are sometimes just god-awful. So what they need is they need fresh leadership. They need a set of real eyes that can take the rapid growth of this company, a company that lost $2 billion in 2018. But you got to remember, they brought in nearly as much, okay? They lost a lot of money. They brought in a lot of money, but they are on a rapid expansion. Now, the problem with what's going on with these guys is that if they don't get money coming in real quickly, okay, it's a real gamble. If they don't get money in coming real quickly, they're going to run out of money sometime next year. Oh, me, oh, my. Yep, Rufus, that's me, oh, my. What'd you say again? Oh, me, oh, my. Oh, me, oh, my. Now, when you initiate a coup on a publicly traded company, that's one thing. But what people don't seem to understand, this is a private, it's a privately owned company. You have so many people in the Wall Street Journal. Now, the person who reads the Wall Street Journal should be a little bit smarter than the average cat out there. But I got to tell you, some of these people are dumber than a sack of rocks. They 
think that this guy's going to go to jail instantaneously for violation of various securities laws. Well, I got news, news for you. Those laws apply to a public company. He can get in trouble for fraud and a lot of other issues. But again, the issue is really what is SoftBank going to do? Because they're the ones that got $9 billion invested in this company. Now, what we do know is that this company, again, we, they had a valuation of $47 billion. Well, what is, how do, how do you get a $47 billion valuation? Okay, it's given that valuation because the shares of stock that SoftBank got for the money they gave, when you work it out, that's how you get $47 billion. So they're a late entry company. Okay, they're not an angel investor or not an early investor, they're a late stage company. So they go in with the big bucks to take it over the top, and um, it looks like what they paid is really overblown. So they want that thing to go public, but they don't want it to go public and lose what they have for money. So here's a key thing. What we need to understand is that who is Newman? Newman is a guy who, well, he's got a management style that's a little bit, uh, well, it's rich for anybody's taste. He's taken a lot of money out of the company. He has so many conflicts of interest, it's not funny. And I gave a speech in St. Petersburg, or it might have been Clearwater a few weeks back, and I think a lot of the people that listened to it, it went right over their head. Nothing personal. Don't take offense if you're listening to this. But I've talked about Uber. I talked about uh, Lyft. I talked about, for example, GE, which is another one that we need to sit down and really talk about, guys. You and I, we need to have a real conversation about GE and the fraud that's going on there. Hard to say, but it is what it is. Jeffrey Emmel should be in jail as far as I'm concerned. But we also talked a little bit about we and we talked about Theranos and, and uh, Elizabeth Holmes and all the things that went on. Emron talked a little bit about all those companies from years ago. Now, here's the thing. This guy was viewed as a visionary. Oh, he's just a visionary and he is going to change the way real estate works. I got news for you. I got news for you. Ain't going to happen. Now, you also, and I'm not going to get into the details about the actual controversy that who actually started this thing and where the money came from and all that kind of stuff. There's some things that some people are going to scratch their heads and want to know a little bit more about. But what I want you to understand is this. We've got a situation where people oftentimes are trying to pull a fast one. Now, let's review a couple of the comments that I've heard from the Wall Street Journal. The entire idea of this communal workspace, a.k.a. not working but partying, is consistent with that of a pothead slash drug addict. What is astonishing is why the investors fell for the scheme. One can only guess. Okay, one of the things that proves that you are a maroon, see I didn't say moron, a maroon, is when you lump all co-working into the same thing. Oh, it's a bunch of partying, animals, and everything else. It's not. I have spent over two years visiting quite literally hundreds of co-working locations in Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa, and everywhere that I've been across the country. I can tell you there are so many different options out there, from mom and pops, mid-size, to things like industrious, and of course, we work on a big scale. If you think people are just going there to do party hardy, you are sadly, sadly mistaken. So here's the key thing. I want you to understand, no matter who you are, is that there are some really cool people doing some really cool things in the co-working location 
I just went to one downtown uh, Tampa uh, city co-working. I mean, it's on 12th. My, these guys are just city metro. I'm not going to get all the details. I, I apologize for screwing up the name. But these guys are cool. I mean, it's a veterans group. And if you want to go into a co-working location, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Give me a call at 212-433-2525, and I will point you to the ones that I think are absolutely phenomenal. Others, they don't have, no, they can't find their ass with both hands, but some of them are really doing it right. Not much different than era of liquid lunch and drink carts in office. There you go. Another one of these moronic comments on the Wall Street Journal where I think everybody's sitting around a co-working place, getting drunk, getting high, and just party harding. Now, again... You know, Newman's bringing this on himself. When every time I hear his name, I always want to say, it's like Seinfeld, Newman. But here's the thing, you know, just because SoftBank put a lot of money in, they weren't being stupid. They were looking for a fast kill. It's just this guy just really screwed the pooch, to be very blunt. Is the Wall Street Journal running endless articles about we because mutual funds are going to drop this into multiple unsuspecting investors' portfolios and are warning its readers about the dangers of we? One hopes so. The Wall Street Journal served its reader community well with the Theranos more recently and Enron story years ago. So with Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, with the other things like Enron, Wall Street Journal did a good job. But I tell you, a lot of companies did a pretty bad job as a result of the mortgage fiasco that went on. If you listen to the podcast uh, from yesterday, you'll hear that I talk a little bit about uh, Chicken Little and Shinola when it came to mortgages and how that whole thing went down. This is very similar to that. Okay, This is one of those situations, the real estate industry is ripe for a disruptive force. The problem is it doesn't have, again, with we, industrious or any of these companies, you don't have a big enough moat in which to protect your ideas. And with that being said, when you have a real pullback economically, these guys have got to have some bank because what's going to happen is you're going to flush out the people that have businesses that can't make it. You're going to have bigger businesses that are going to step down. But in the end, you might see a lot of businesses going for a co-working location rather than long-term leases. But the issue is, if I have, let's say, an office building, 20 or 30 stories, what prevents me from right now going out and doing this myself? Absolutely nothing. And that ladies and gentlemen, is what's going on in the world. Is the Wall Street Journal running endless articles about we because mutual funds are going to drop this into multiple unsuspecting investors' portfolios and are warning its readers about the dangers of we? So what I want to talk about there is simply this. When you have the consolidation, the delegation, the abdication of investing to mutual funds, to ETFs, and to the same ones, and you have basically a consolidation of investment advisors where just a handful of people control the overwhelming majority of the assets in this country, yeah, you should be concerned because what happens is this crud, just like in 2007, 8, and then 9, this crud winds up getting into your portfolios. You can't do anything about it because you're not doing direct in- investing anymore. You know, if you don't know what's in your portfolio, you, you need to learn. And if you say, well, I don't know, it's a it's a mutual fund ABC or an ETF XYZ, QRST, UVW XYZ, I don't know. 
then you need to know because there's ways to invest where you actually know the companies. And if you don't like the company, you can blackball them. You can get rid of them. You can say, I don't want this in my portfolio. At least you can do that with us. This guy is a one in a million absolute tool. It's so interesting to watch the complete joke that both this guy and his sham of a company are. It is nice to see smart people flesh this guy out as a complete joker before hardworking investors make the mistake of believing this freak or the fools at SoftBank. I'll say it again. SoftBank is a complete failure, but for the investment in Alibaba, they are going to lose their shirts on this failure to launch. Some pretty bold statements I absolutely don't agree 100% with. Alibaba, these people, or rather I should say SoftBank, they're not stupid. Yeah, they made money in Alibaba. They made money in other things as well. But the, here's, a, here's a key thing. It's not just about the numbers. It's all about the emotions. And so you have the quantitative and the qualitative. I got news for you. Sometimes you invest in things that don't make any sense at the time because they're, everybody's doing it. Pet rocks. I mean, come on. Years ago, somebody took a box. They took a rock. They glued some eyes on it. I don't know if there were eyes on it or not, but here's the thing. It's about time for this to come up again. You want to make some money, i tell you what you do. Go out and get a pretty little box. Put some, uh, some shredding in it. Put some eyes on a rock. Polish it up and, and call it, you know, Pet Rock's son or daughter or whatever. Something incredibly stupid. I got news for you. It'll, it'll sell. Have you seen some of these ugly cups and mugs that a lot of ladies started buying a few years ago? I mean, it's just like, are you kidding me? Can you imagine taking your company's sensitive information and that of your vendors and customers into a wee animal house environment? Why would anyone do that? This company is in free fall. Maybe Chapter 11. Most likely Chapter 7 awaits. You can always tell the age of somebody when they write things about taking your sensitive information into an animal house. This is a person that probably is a little bit older who is still thinking of movies like Animal House where Jim Belushi was tearing up the place and that was a great movie. But that's I got news for you. Hey, you're a maroon. If you went and walked around look at these places, people are working there. Okay, yeah, there are some places that have some facilities a little more relaxed. They have afternoon par- or evening parties and things like that. They acquired that company, uh, what was it name? It's a, uh, it'll come to me, um, where you schedule events and uh, doesn't make a difference. But you have events that are going on there, structured events that makes sense, but it's not Animal House. I just, I got to tell you, sometimes you boomers, and I'm a baby boomer, but sometimes you boomers make me sick. Newman is mercurial. He has a fresh concept in an established industry that will go through massive changes in how and where people work. Regis is only one of many competitors. Signing long leases and renting short stays is tough. I should know. I have been doing it in the corporate department business for 39 years. The metric everyone should be looking at beyond revenue is occupancy rate versus capacity at all open locations. Does work high this? Beyond a core list of central business districts in 25 cities, I doubt his play is doing that well. Getting rid of Newman will not solve the problem. Not sure this problem will get solved. He cashed out $700 million, bought a new G650 for a serviced office business, ran up three pages of conflict of interest disclosures, all before going public or ever making money. This guy needed a mentor and some sort of common sense. Where is the VC common sense and controls? You know, I think what 
has happened is that some people thought this guy would be like Mark Zuckerberg. Now, Zuckerberg was able to navigate some crazy things. And that movie that uh, was made about him highlighted the way he is. And, you know, Facebook has issues. No, no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But the bottom line is simply this. Um, I got to tell you, that was some insightful comments there. The guy kind of figured out exactly some of the things that we've been talking about. You have coworkers who, okay, so you got a guy, you got a company, like a, let's say a real estate investment trust. They own a high rise, okay? They put up the money, they do it. Generally speaking, in commercial properties are longer term leases. You know, you want 5, 10, 15 years in these things. So you sign a long term lease, you put a lot of money into these things, $100,000 per, let's say, uh, mini office. And that's what they are, they're mini offices. And then you rent them and you, you get a good chunk of change and then you have other ways of making money as well. Okay, so that all sounds good. But these leases are, what, seven months, 14 months, 12 months, two years. So there's a disconnect between what I'm leasing or let's say we, we work as leasing for and the typical tenant. So what are they doing? A lot of people don't understand this is that a lot of what we has done is they've gotten some longer term leases from national companies. And by walking through all these places, yeah, I've seen them. You know, you have Salesforce and you have all these different companies that are in there using their space for their detached workforce. Because again, because of technology, I mean, not everybody has to be in in San Francisco to do programming. You can be in Boise. You can be in in Cedar Rapids. You can be in Madison. You can be in Rochester. And you can even be in Dunellen, Florida and be a programmer. And you, again, virtually transport yourself like Star Trek. Hell's bells. I do it all the time. So I think one of the problems that we have here is that this goes really almost beyond what Travis Kalnick was doing at Uber. Um, he was pushed out in 2017 by his board of directors because of his chauvinistic, toxic, toxic work culture. And, you know, I got to tell you, this is kind of like way beyond this because this guy is flat, I think, a little bit crazy. So I like the concept. I think there's some issues that are going to be hard to overcome. But the bottom line is simply this. The, the thing that I want you to take away from this is not necessarily just the we company and all the issues that we've brought up. But it's the concentration of wealth management in the country and how just a handful of people can make a really bad decision and cost you a lot of money when you're using mutual funds and ETFs, when you abdicate everything. And again, one of the ways around this is to have what's known as direct investing and direct indexing and understand what we do when we talk about equal weighting, fractional shares, and commission-free trading. And we've got a solution to this stuff. And what we do, it's better, it's simple, and it works. But the reality is there is going to be a falling out, a shakeout. And when it starts, it's not going to end pretty. That does it for today. Thanks for joining me. I'm Paul Truesdell with Fix Cost Financial. You can reach us by phone by calling 212-433-2525 between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern. Again, that's 212-433-2525. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. But ideally, for links, notes, PDFs, videos, and more to this podcast, well, simply go directly to FixCostFinancial.com and click on the blog or podcast links. For quick reference, and this is easy to remember, simply type dots.fm. That's dots.fm. Isn't that cool? 
and you'll land right on our podcast page. Now visit Fixed Cost Financial, the home of fixed cost investing, where it's better because it's simple and works. Break the mold and do it today. All rights reserved. Reproduction or use without written authorization prohibited without written authorization. 